Tonight, Pastor Sadler talks about biblical parenting by giving us examples that help us understand the type of parents that God has called us to be. Who's had phone calls that brought you down? Who has seen social media that robbed your joy? And so we want to have the mind of Christ that we can maximize his word and make application. Is that okay? I'm going to read you a verse. The Bible says in the book of 3 John, I've been preaching a long time. Can't say I've preached a lot of sermons out of 3 John. But look at 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. Sister Mara, I'll have it on the wall for you. The Bible says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Woo! y'all feel that? It just swept right through here. Man, you must be fasting and praying because that's what brings that connection to the Spirit so rapidly. I want to talk tonight for just a little bit. I, I put it in the bulletin over a month ago, warned you Sunday. You're saying, well, this doesn't relate to me. It's going to be relatable. We want to hear about biblical parenting. Biblical parenting. Some of you, when you heard that, you said, well, this is not for me. I'm going to put my brain in autopilot, nod when I'm supposed to, and balance the checkbook in my mind. I promise you this has application for everyone that is here. The Bible says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, why don't you stand tonight? You're going to get plenty of sitting time. Why don't you stand tonight? And not because I'm asking you to, but for your own benefit, if I'm getting static on my radio, I want to extend my antenna. Anybody here got two antennas? Won't we just raise our hands towards heaven? Jesus tonight, God, we just lift our hands and surrender and say, Lord, here we are. And Lord, we just want to hear your word. God, begin to stir our hearts. God, begin to scrape off the hardness, God, that makes us resistant to your word. And God, even give strength to our legs that we can walk in truth. And God, open our mouths that we can communicate the good news that you are available to meet needs and heal lives. And God, even direct our decisions, even in the area of parenting. Help us tonight to be an example of righteousness. And everybody say in Jesus' name tonight. You think about the word parenting, and you break it down the root word there, as many of you know, is parent. And I loved studying the etymology of a word, basically how a word word came into being. And this particular word that we get parent from is from a word like it's very close to pairing or preparing. And it's from the French. The first time it's written that we know of is in the 1400s. And I don't want to bore you with all that. But it's been around a while. And when you understand that it relates to a pair and pairing, anybody got Bluetooth? And don't you ever now and again have to hit that little button so they pair up. And when they get paired up, it takes your sick anemic little speaker on your phone and now you're getting Bose surround sound in your car and you're hearing the horns and you're hearing the percussion and you're okay pairing when we when male female come together and not just create a child but they get connected in a way where they are preparing a child literally the word parent means to bring forth or prepare. Another word there for prepare is equip. 
So the primary function of being a parent is A, to bring forth. And let's talk about that a second. To bring forth, i.e. to be fruitful. To be fruitful. So let's go back to that garden we talked about. We won't go to say, radishes come forth. No. Okay. So what do we do to make the ground fruitful? We till it. We fertilize it. We sow it. And then when plants begin to come up, we stake them. My grandparents had these wire cages that they would put around their tomatoes. And they, ever so often, the branches would begin to grow skew. And they would reach their hand in there and put those green leafy branches and let them rest on this cage. And that cage would undergird and support it. And so we do, as, as parents, we have to stake or, or cage or uh, we have to protect uh, my grandparents used to put lime on, on you ever put lime on, what's lime do, anybody know? It keeps certain beetle bugs away. It also uh, enriched the soil. They would have to water it when nature didn't water it. Uh, they would prune, any pruning in here? Okay. I'm going to make it relevant to parenting in just a second. Weeding, everybody say weeding. Who's glad that God gave a man a vision for a weed eater, anybody? Anybody here ever use a sling blade? Aren't you glad for a good old weed weeder? Amen. And then we have to pray for the things that we don't have control over. What man in here controls the sun? None of us. So there are things. Do we control when the hailstorms are going to come and where, where they're going to? No. So as a good parent, we do all of these things for our children to become fruitful. And then there's things we have no control over. Who knows there's the known unknown? If you're a parent who thinks you know everything your kid's doing, you deceive yourself. You need to mark in your mind. You need to know there's some things you don't know. Now, my kids are, are 35 and 28 now, Sister Patsy, and we have birthday dinner and, and Thanksgiving, and they start telling stories. Well, Mom and Dad, you never knew this, but while y'all were gone to such and such, I said, stop, 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 stop. Did y'all die? No, I don't need to hear this. You're tarnishing the memory that I had. La, la, la. Ignorance is bliss. Can I get a witness to that? I don't need to. For everything I thought I knew, there's so much more. So to bring forth children, do you know that to make them fruitful, you might have to fertilize them? Okay. My dad had a very simple philosophy. He tried to use the power of of positive reinforcement, i.e., son, if you do all your chores, there'll be an allowance waiting on you. He tried to be positive, Sister Billy, but when positivity did not work out, there was always the power of negative reinforcement, which is spelt, it is very similar to medication. It's B-E-L-T, belt, and there is no maximum dose. And you can repeat the process as many times as it takes. My dad fertilized us. Now, that seems kind of... I got scriptures. Give me just a minute. Okay. And sometimes he'd put a cage around us, not always to keep us in, but sometimes to keep things out. He put us in situations where we had structure. Kids need structure. There is a difference between a child that just grows up wild 
and one that's been raised. My grandparents had the most bountiful garden of delicious red sun-ripened tomatoes. They had, I called it God's little acre. It wasn't even acre. And they could get more produce out of that. But they did not let their tomatoes just grow up wild. They gave them structure. They put that cage around them. They'd put stakes. They'd take twine and tie it. And they would prune. Everybody say prune. Don't, don't you know that we pick up some attitudes as young children and teenagers and, and we need somebody led by the spirit to bring the scalpel of God's word into our life and sever some attitude anybody here ever had some stinking thinking I'm big enough to do it you can't stop me my dad said one time he said I may not can stop you but I can sure make you wish you hadn't have done it I felt the Holy Ghost right there I knew there were consequences. he brought structure to our lives how about this one water you know, sometimes our children just need our company. They just need to know that we care and we are there uh, to enrich them. Uh, how about, I said weed wheaten, weed eaters. Well, Pastor, you already said pruning. Pruning is what you do to them. Weeding, sometimes you need to cut people out of their life. I literally had a parent tell me they were having a problem with their daughter communicating with a boy. And I said, so what's your thought? Well, we're just hoping she changes her mind. How old is she? She's 14. Does she work a job? No. Do you provide her cell phone? Yeah. You're paying the bill. Yeah. She don't have a phone. You have a phone that you're letting her use. Well, I don't want to pry. You're not prying. She is not an adult. God gave that child to you to raise, not to grow up wild. And weed eating is sometimes you have to cut people out of their life. I had a friend in high school. It doesn't matter his name because if I call it, somebody we know will be watching. And uh, he was a good guy on his own, and I was a good guy on my own, but we got together, Todd, we found trouble. Not, not necessarily put you in jail trouble, but just not beneficial. And finally, my dad talked to me. He said, son, come here and talk to me. I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, I know that's your friend, and y'all go to school together, and I know he's a good guy, and I know his parents. He said, but it just seemed like when y'all get together, you find trouble. I tell you what, I think y'all would do so much better if you live life apart. He didn't say the guy's low down and high smelling. He just said, for whatever reason, you guys find trouble. Dad had to weed some people. As a parent, we don't let our kid pick all their associations. God gave them you as a defense to, to pre-approve. If they don't meet the mark, well, you're not doing me fair. God did not call me to do you fair. God called me to bring forth fruitfulness in your life. Blow hot or blow cold, I got 35 more minutes, okay? It's going to get better, I promise. Okay. So you're called to bring forth, and it requires all these different involvements. You cannot be an absentee parent. There is no such thing as absentee. Parenting is putting your hand to, to bring forth fruitfulness. Now, secondly, is that we are called to prepare. Um, I have met some people 
that have been woefully ill-prepared as a child. Their parents did not do a good job putting the things in them they needed to be self-sufficient and self-reliant. God did not call us to enable our kids to be uh, immature and codependent. God's design and desire for you is not to be your child's BFF and never want to say or do anything to hurt their feelings. I want to be their friend. God did not call you to be their friend. God called you to be their parent. Now, who in here loves your child? Let me pick on somebody. Amy, can I pick on you? Good. You made eye contact. That's a mistake on a Wednesday night. Don't ever make eye contact. Everybody's looking through shoes. You love your daughter. And say she's 13, you take her to the doctor. She's got her own opinion. She hates needles. She does not want a shot, but she's got a very bad situation. And without medical treatment, she's either going to lose her arm or lose her life. She's got to have a shot. Mommy, if you love me, you wouldn't, make, you wouldn't let them give me that shot. She's getting a shot. And you're going to call pastor. Pastor's going to pray and hold her, right? Okay, we're going to work together on this. What, what's your point, Pastor. If you let the kid's voice dominate, if you love me, you wouldn't do this to me. Everybody say manipulation. And this is not an exact science, but little girls manipulate their daddies and little boys manipulate their mothers. I'm preaching. I feel the Holy Ghost, okay? Pastor, why are you taking a Wednesday night on this? Because we got people with kids that didn't necessarily have the parents that I had. And not that my parents were perfect, but I am telling you, we are in a day as a parent, if you make a mistake, you could lose your kids forever. It only takes one experiment with fentanyl. We didn't have fentanyl. We didn't have fentanyl. Today, you can just, I mean, just a, just a, just a touch on the skin of fentanyl can, can take their lives, okay? Teenagers leaving home, doing grown things with guns. I can take you to a young man that's 15, that's never getting out of prison, that took another person's life at 15. Do you think he knew what he was doing at 15? No, but he's going to pay for it forever. Who heard about a five-year-old that took a gun to school and shot and killed his teacher? Do you think a five-year-old really knows what forever is? What life and death really is? Okay. He may not. Probably doesn't understand at five years old. I think there's some, some dereliction in parenting. Did I just say that out loud? We got a generation of parents that want to talk about their rights and their privileges instead of their duties and responsibilities. We have obligations. Do you understand if you put a 16-year-old in a car and they kill somebody in the state of Tennessee that you will be evaluated and you can be charged and your assets can be taken and you can serve jail time? Do you see how important parenting is? And it's for keeps. In my day, you could make a few mistakes and the kids, oh, they'll be okay. Now, with the, the rate of crime, with the, with the openness of drugs, man, with social media, your kids can't go to places that you and I would have been afraid to go to, but they can go there virtually from their bedroom. Do you realize that some pervert 
YouTube's fixing to kick me off. I feel it right now, okay? Some pervert can disguise himself and use a seductive nature and lure your child who has really no clue what they're getting involved in and they get gobbled up and swallowed up in, in a lifestyle and you may never see them again. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you parenting on autopilot is not an option. You've got to be involved. And God really designed it that way. But if you love me, you would make me take that shot. Shut up, you're taking the shot. It's not an option. God's called you to bring forth. If you're afraid to discipline your child, if you're afraid to make them do the things. Uh, I, I, I have a young boy. He's grown now, but his parents came to me and, and he stayed sick. He was missing like half a school year because he had so many cavities in his mouth, but he wouldn't go to the dentist. Grow a backbone and say, you are going to the dentist. God has called you to bring forth fruitfulness. If your kid is 38, still living at home, sitting in your living room on your couch, eating your cereal in his underwear, you have not prepared. I feel, I didn't mean to make you mad, brother. Are you okay? Oh, okay. I, I really thought I made him mad. Here, He's 38. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. You'll never find a harder working guy than that guy right there, okay? So you don't want to make, I understand you want to be friends. What are you talking about, Pastor? I love, my kids are not in here, so I can say this. I would not want them to know this. I love talking to them as adults about adult things, seeing them be well-adjusted, working, you know, both of my kids own houses. Both of my kids are flourishing on their secular job. Did you know both of my kids, uh, Brian and Sarah, were gone from us for six, almost seven years? They came back here because they wanted to, not because I induced them to come here. Elizabeth has had so many opportunities to go other places. She's had opportunities, and Brian too, to be full-time ministry at churches getting paid full-time. But they both, not because I'm paying them, not because I'm begging them, because I'm not. They both want to be here. As a parent, to see your grown kids share in the vision of the local church and be well thought of on their jobs, I'm not bragging on them, and I'm not taking credit for it. I'm telling you, there is nothing that brings more joy than to see your children love truth. I, nothing. Listen, I, I, Jill and I have made some, had some discussions and made some provisions against dying I'm not ready to go tonight but we've made some plans towards dying but do you know what when they were younger and they hadn't established that they believed the doctrine and they hadn't bought into the kingdom and they hadn't grown up and made decisions of what kind of person of integrity and character I worried Lord you can't let me die because I got to make sure my kid but now now that I know they love the Lord, now that I know they've exemplified, they're choosing to be people of character and contributors to society and to speak well of our family name, I can die happy. Now, I'm not ready to go tonight. 
Nobody's getting me tonight. Okay? Let me say, I know you want to be close, and I, I am close to my grown kids, but I don't want them to become so close that they can't function without me. I've got a very good friend. He's a very successful businessman. He'd been in ministry for, for a lot of years, and then he, he left the ministry and went into, into secular employment. And he's done very well, still a very wise man. And he looked at me one day and says, you know what? We teach our kids to be self-sufficient, independent, determined, and go out and make something alive. And then when they go out and do it, we get mad at them for leaving us. There, there's some truth in what he says. All of us want to keep our kids close. All, <laughs> most of us want to keep our kids close. Some of us want to keep our... <laughs> there's one or two of you that want to... Ke- <laughs> Let's pray. No, she, yeah. What are you saying, Pastor? I I am saying, as much as I love my kids, I have failed them if they can't function without me. Now, let me talk about this spiritually. Julie and I, this last year, did y'all know that we, I don't think Julie and I missed a single Sunday last year, okay? Boy, I need a break, I'm telling you what. Just kidding. Uh, it was one of those years with what we had going. It just didn't. So we took some trips, short trips during the week, maybe missed a couple Wednesday nights. We love being here. This is not what we have to do. This is what we love to do. We love serving. We love teaching and encouraging people. But, but I said that to say there's been times we've traveled and we've been gone on Sunday. And so I'm texting Brian or I'm texting Sister Caban. How was church? How was everything? How's everybody? Oh, it was great. And the Spirit really moved. And seven people got the Holy Ghost. 84 people got baptized. Tongues and interpretation. We slew the dragon. It was awesome. I'm sort of thinking, how rude. Because <laughs> I'm preaching my guts out. And I can't get anybody to lift their hands. And I'm gone one Sunday. And everybody I've been preaching to all these weeks gets saved. What's wrong with you people? Okay. Stop, stop. I'm being a little silly. If you're strictly human, that might be how you think. Do you know there is no greater compliment to me as your pastor that I can be gone and nobody backslides and nobody gets mad, nobody complains that the drums are too loud or I don't like that. Y'all have church, people get saved, you keep reaching the lost, you keep perfecting the saints. As As a spiritual parent, Nothing brings me more joy to see people, not because I'm threatening them. You ever feel threatened by me? Don't confess that. Don't, don't, don't raise it. What are you saying, Pastor? I am saying it does my heart good to see you spiritually independent and have your individual relationship with God. Your relationship with God is not based on coming through me, for I'm not your high priest. We have one high priest, the man Christ Jesus, who's making intercession and atonement for our sins. Amen? So you don't need me, and you don't need the priest, and we don't have the confessional booth, and we don't have the, and you fill in the blank, we have Jesus, who is the author and He not only thought it up, he brought it to fruition. And he who began a good work can what? He can complete it. He can finish it. Now, how does that relate? Anybody here ever feel like you got off track with your kids? Did you know I could do a whole series of Wednesday nights on raising grown kids? That's a whole different conversation. Actually, I don't know know if we, we should have lessons. I really think we should have a support group. Parents of grown children. 
And we could, we could come together and tell stories. Oh, pray for me. And we close out with Kumbaya and the serenity prayer. I think I'm helping some people here, okay? That's a whole other conversation. What I want you to get tonight is that God has called you to do two things as a parent. is to bring forth, make them fruitful, and make them prepared where they can be uh, sufficient. Now, Proverbs chapter 22, begin with verse 1, if you don't mind. Back up just a little bit. Uh, and I, I'm going to go 1 through 6, and you just go along with me and give you a second to get there. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple <coughs> pass on and are punished. In other words, people who don't apply wisdom and vision, they plot right along. They know the road's out, but they, they're wily coyote. They just keep barreling ahead. Oh, and they go right off the cliff. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. That's a key phrase. If you only have time to memorize one verse this week, memorize this verse, by humility. That means humble yourself from your human, what you think you know, and with the fear of the Lord. That's not fear as in afraid of the Lord. That is respect. So by humbling yourself and asking God, being open to his word, that is where riches are found, honor is found, and life is found. It is critically important that we humble what we think we know and we dial into what God's Word says is so, and that's where riches, honor, and life is found. But go to verse 5. Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. 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 Sometimes we need to move furniture around here, and sometimes what we're moving just barely fits through a doorway. And sometimes somebody is helping me and they're so eager to get it moved that they got a head of steam coming around a corner and they try to take it to the door and we bang into, the, I'm not calling any names, but we bang into the door jam, okay? That you can't take a head of steam without adjusting yourself to fit the opening. Does that make sense? A froward person takes no thought that the drawer sticking out or the handle on the fridge may be extruding too far or it might be too tall or you might have to lean it down or you might have to go through a double door. Does that make sense? Froward are people who just haphazardly try to shove it through the opening. I have knocked the handle off a brand new refrigerator because I measured the width of the refrigerator and if you look at the width, it should fit but I didn't compensate or calculate for the handles that some of the light bulbs going off, yeah. And sometimes we live life and we, it'll fit, it'll work, I can make it happen. But there's things that we didn't factor in because we did not consult the Lord, nor did we inquire of the word of the Lord. And then we get our britches caught on what fits we were climbing that we thought we were well able to get over. And then your suspenders are hung and you're dangling from the fence praying for somebody that's not the police to come by. How, how do I know this? Some of you have heard this story before, but I was running with some big boys, and these big boys wanted to get onto the city 
baseball field that was manicured and it had a beautiful infield and it had the bases and they watered it and they, they chalked it and it was so nice and all we had was a scrubby old empty lot to play in. And so the big boys said, we're going to go play on the good field. And they were able with just a very simple effort to jump that six foot fence. And I was a little runt of a kid and it took me several moves to get up it and I had to roll over the top. And about the time I'm coming over, the maintenance man was there. And all those bigger boys was able to run and jump over the fence. About the time, Sister Bonnie, I was rolling over to get to where the big guys was at when I rolled over. Y'all know those little sharp forks on the top of a chain link fence? It caught the collar on my white cotton t-shirt. And they got away. My little toes were just barely dangling. My little Converse high tops were just scratching the sand. And he come, boy, I don't know if this was his first name or his last name, but he was wearing one of those city of Huntsville employee uniforms and his shirt said Dempsey. I sure hope that wasn't Joe Dempsey. I'm going to tell you, I thought he was going to care. And he grabbed me by the shoulders and picked me up off the fence. He said, boy, don't you know we got that fence up there for a reason? I went, I do now, sir. He said, do you want to go home? I said, he unlocked the gate. He let me out don't come back. I said, yes, sir. I didn't know that that fence had put a scratch right across. You know, sometimes skin, especially near your throat and your face, bleeds pretty bad. It wasn't bad. It was just a scratch. <clears throat> but I come walking up the hill and news had done spread that we got in trouble for climbing the city rec park fence. And my mother was already on the front porch waiting for my glorious appearing. And she saw me coming. I'm going to tell y'all what, I was so thankful for the blood. I actually, I actually think I squeezed it a little bit, rubbed my shirt in. And my mother, oh, I saw fire in her eyes and smoke coming out of her ears. I said, I'm not soon long for this world, Lord. And I teared up a little bit. Did I mention little boys and their mamas? And little girls and their dad, I feel the Holy Ghost. And I knew I was going to get a spanking. And do you know what? Because of the blood. There was forgiveness. Y'all feeling what I'm feeling? The blood will work. I was never so glad for a scratch in all my life. Now, Pastor, you've quit teaching. I'm teaching. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. And young people need a parent, not a robot. They need a parent that is sensitive to the circumstance and is able to evaluate and appropriate justice, comma, and mercy. Everybody say mercy. Okay. I was being froward, haphazard, going with the flow. And don't be surprised, like I got my T-shirt caught on the fence. I ought not been climbing. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? You know, I was doing what I shouldn't be doing, but because of the blood, I received, I'm, I'm preaching that. Mercy, okay. Verse six is what I want you to really zero it in. All the other talks about the station in life. Rich, poor, those who have humility, they receive honor, 
Those who listen to the word of the Lord have life. It's all about how people turn out. Look at verses 1 through 5. It's all about how we turn out. And it comes to a culmination in verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Growing up wild does not equal training. Training. Anybody got pets? Pets. Pets are a wonderful uh, complement to the home. And we've missed, we've missed Mr. Sambo. He's been gone about six, eight weeks. And his headstone came in. Does that tell you how far this man will go for his wife's cat? When you're buying headstones for your wife's cat, you're a good man. I'm just going to say you're a good man, okay? If you come to our small group, you can come down our sidewalk and right there in the flower bed, you'll see Sambo's headstone. I got to give myself out. I'm pretty awesome. And that's why I'm going to be teaching for our Valentine sessions because I got it all figured out. <laughs> I'm laughing, okay? I'm still learning. I'm still learning, okay? Now, this, this is what I want us to get here. Train up a child. That means... Number one, there's got to be a standard that you're training them to. Does that make sense? If you're training someone to play the piano, there's got to be something you're training them to. Scales, octaves, timing, okay, you got to have a standard. And when we're training our children, what is our standard? What are we trying to get them to measure up to? What is it? It's obedience to the Word of God. Who's ever hated something as a young person, as you got older? That's ah, pretty good. As a kid, I didn't like Brussels sprouts. But as an adult, I like Brussels sprouts. As a kid, I didn't like asparagus. As an adult, I like asparagus. And so on. Who's got something you didn't like as a kid, but you, you love it now? You, you grew into your taste buds. Okay. That, that's, what I want, that's what I want you to understand, is that... Our taste change. You ever had somebody that you used to love that now you just really care to be around them? Something changed, right? I anybody got somebody that you used to not like and now you just love them? And everybody's looking at me. I'm so glad you love me now. Okay. okay. Who, who admits your fashion sense change? Your taste in cars change. Okay. How you want to spend your free time changes. At one time you were... Everything, everything was about woodworking, and now it's all about putting models together, or whatever. You, you were big into gardening, but now you're big into resting. And uh, So what are you saying, Pastor? Who admits we change? We change. We change. Who still wears the same size jeans you did at 16 that you do now, guys? You're a sick person. You're a sick person. You need a cheeseburger. Just kidding. Yeah. You heard of a pound cake? With me, it's a 10-pound cake, okay? Who admits you changed? So do you really want to raise your children to be like you? Who's done stupid? Who's made mistakes? Who's got stories of your life that you really wouldn't want anybody else to know? I'm talking about me. Why would you want to raise your child to be little you? The Word of God is forever settled. He cannot be separated from his word. 
We say it and then people hope we live up to our work. Right? Come on, shake your head this way. But when God says it, it's as good as done. He's the same yesterday, today. He don't change. If he hated it yesterday, he hates it today, he's going to hate tomorrow. If he loved it yesterday, he's going to love it. He's gonna... If he says, from the foundations of the world, I loved you. Guess what? You may have changed your mind about him. He ain't changed his mind about you. He's, his, his mercy endures as long as you're doing what he thinks you should. As long as you pay your tithes. As long as you come to this church. No. His mercy endures forever. So why would we want to raise our children to be like us? I want to raise them to be like him. Faithful. Full of integrity. Able to extend mercy. Now, Pastor, you've ran me through all this. And I don't even have kids. Or my kids are grown. But the Bible says... Ephesians chapter, Ephesians says, verse 1, of a, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, there's some theological debate on if this is obey your parents if they are saved, if they are born again. So now they're your parents and they're in the Lord. But I think I could argue the case going back to the Greek here and relating it to a couple of other passages of Scripture that you could just as easily, if not more so, teach this children obey your spiritual parents. Now, I can't speak for you, but I can tell you as a late teen, almost a, a let's just say a tweener, a teen 20-something, tweener. I'm kind of in between there. And, uh, you know, my parents were having their own struggles. And my dad said this, and it hurt my feelings, and I thought about it, and he was right. He said, you know, you went through a period where you would listen to everybody's opinion but mine. And, and, and I look back now, he was, I don't know why. He had great advice, but I chose not to listen to it. But I am thankful, even when Jewel and I made major mistakes that would have rocked and ruined a lot of other people, that we could have found ourselves on the bottom and we could have been self-medicating with drugs and alcohol and all other the trappings that go with worldliness, that there was a couple. If Jewel and I were 20, they were at least 40. And you would think on paper, Sister Chair, we'd have nothing in common. But they knew how to talk to us and relate to us and encourage us. I didn't know it at the time, but I think they had a conversation. They were looking at them going, bless their hearts. They don't have a lick of sense. If somebody doesn't have pity on them, they're going to blow up their marriage and mess their lives up and do all kind of stupid they probably had made just enough mistakes to say, hey, it is amazing what you can live through, and I don't want you guys to have to go through what we went through. They didn't come and say, hey, we're going to be your spiritual parents. But you know what they did? They showed up at everything. If we had a shower, they were 
at it. If we were looking for somebody to go to lunch with on Sunday after church, they went with us. If we need somebody to call and check on us, we didn't see you at church, they called and checked on us. When we had birthday parties, they brought the biggest gift. When we were at our lowest place, they would speak love and encouragement into our lives. If they had a free Saturday afternoon and say, y'all want to go somewhere, we would go. They didn't have to. They chose to. Their kids were grown. I can tell you, I would not be pastoring. I don't even know if I would be saved today. I don't even know if Jill and I would be married today. We got married. I was just barely 20 and she was 19. Instant family. And we'd made enough mistakes in the first few months of marriage. It could have sunk us. But because of their commitment to us, constant encouragement, inclusiveness, you're going to make it. I did something similar, and God was merciful. I see this gift in you, this potential in you. Do you understand parenting is a delicate balance of correction and encouragement? It can't be all encouragement. Who's ever been around a kid who's never been spanked? Let me help you. For the rod of correction... The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. My dad thought that said it said fire from him, and he kept whipping us till sparks flew. (laughs) You think I'm kidding? Actually, my dad was not abusive. My dad was sensitive to the Holy Ghost. If one lick got the contrition, the brokenness, the humility, the repentance one lick was sufficient. But if it took 77 lashes with a hickory switch, the thing I hated the most is dad giving me, I can still see that that yellow handle case pocket knife. You know which one I'm talking about. And he had unfolded it. Son, I want you to go cut me a switch. Well, that's easy. You cut something about that big, you better not. If you got an inner adequate switch the first time he went and cut the switch that man could pick up an oak tree and when dad would say i want you because i want you to be righteous before god i want your spirit and heart to be right oh there you go dad guilt and shame manipulation i see he said i want you to go get a switch appropriate to combat your behavior In other words, what switch you brought back was directly proportional to your perception of the degree of disobedience. I'm I'm glad to say, Sister Josephine, there was a couple times I brought a switch because I felt the weight of sin and guilt on me. And Dad said, that's too big. And he'd take his hand and he'd he'd break part of it. I'll be honest with you. I, I think sometimes we're too hard on ourselves and God says, that rod's too much for you. I'll take some of that on me. See, a good parent knows how to balance discipline. All discipline. You ever seen a dog that's been disciplined to death? He's afraid to move. He won't bark. He won't retrieve. He's crippled. I've seen children that are afraid to look anybody in the eye and and afraid to smile or have joy or do anything. But then I've seen the other kid that's never been told no to anything. It takes both. It takes a balance. Train up a child in the way he should go, not the way you want him to go. You're going to be my BFF, so I'm training you to be. No, no, no. 
train them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord that they can achieve what God has called them to be, not what you want them to be. Who's ever seen the kid that a parent's living vicariously through their child? They had a ending injury to their sports career and they, they're missing that championship team. And so they put on their kid this responsibility. They got to exercise at five years old, two hours a day and dribble the basketball or do all these different activities. And they got to play the sport year round because they're getting their joy out of seeing their kid do what they could not do. Do not do that to your kid. Train up your child to be what God has called them to be. I, I didn't even get to just two verses of my notes, and I apologize. I didn't do a very good job. I do want to tell you a story, and I'm going to close. And that is, uh, y'all know I love my son, Brian. He's not perfect. Don't ask his mama. She'll tell you he is. But he's not perfect. Because little boys know how to manipulate their mother, right? And little girls know how to manipulate their dad, right? He's not perfect, but he's pretty good. What parent does not want their kid to succeed? I don't understand a parent that does not want to see their kid thrive and succeed. I'd be disappointed if my kids didn't turn out better than me. Does that make sense? Here's what I want you to get. So one year, I was, I was a good athlete. Okay? I had a couple of scholarship opportunities before I injured my knee. I think God let my knee get injured because I would have maybe gone the wrong path if I'd stayed on the, on the sports path. God knew did y'all know God knows what he's doing? Have y'all figured that out? God might know what he's talking about. Okay. But I wanted Brian to have that physical activity. I wanted him to participate in sports and learn the things you learn from organized sports. And so I got him a basketball goal for Christmas and got him a basketball. And I'd get home from work. And we'd have about an hour for an hour. And we'd get out there and we'd shoot baskets. And we, I'd work with him and work with him and work with him. It just was not natural to him. He was naturally tall, but just not naturally athletic. And so the next year for Christmas, I bought him a guitar. <laughs> and do you know what? He flourished. I threw a chord finder and a book about music theory, and I went back about six weeks later, and man, he could play almost anything. Wow, he, he's real. That's his, that's his gear. That's, his, that's what he's into. And I thought Brian was oblivious that I realized he was not a very good athlete, but he was a, really excelled at being a musician. And so he, he was speaking as part of his senior class, and he gave a speech, and he says, I love my parents. I love my dad. My dad gave me a basketball goal one year, and he realized I wasn't athletic, so the next year he bought me a guitar. He realized what I realized is that he was not a very good athlete, but was very gifted. I mean, what's your point, Pastor? I wasn't trying to make Brian what I was. I was trying to help Brian be who he is. To be a good parent doesn't mean your kid may be your doppelganger, may go and do exactly what you do, but don't make them. Train them up to be what God has called them to be. Who's ever heard me say, don't cram square pegs into round holes? Sometimes the biggest drama in our lives is we're trying to make things fit that don't fit. You might want to step back and say, God, what would you have me do? Now, I haven't given you all the answers. I do have some additional verses. We'll try to put them out in our podcast. We'll add them to the end if you want to pick those up. You may not have kids, but some of you need to find you some young couples and come alongside them because not everybody 
has had great parents in their life and they need somebody in a non-threatening, non-condemning way to put their arm around them and encourage them. You can make it. You can do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Who knows I love you? I try to balance discipline with love. Amen? Together. Who wants to be the best version of you you can be? Let's pray. Jesus, tonight, help us with your spirit. Lord, what I was unable to do, your spirit right now is able to come in. And God, help us prioritize our thinking, evaluate our actions. And God, let us not respond on emotion, but God, on the facts that your word is forever settled and it's relevant. God, that there's over 600 verses relating to godly parenting. Help me to read your word and know what it says to help me raise up this gift that you've given us to be all that it can be for your glory and your honor. And God, if there be anybody, God, in this church, God, that needs somebody just to partner with them, God, let me be available. Let me be sensitive to your spirit. And God, let me rejoice that the children of God love truth and are walking in your ways. And everybody say in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Shake hands, be friendly. Go with God. Some of the verses Pastor wasn't able to get to are Psalms 127, chapter 3, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 7, Psalms 78, verse 4, Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 39, Titus 2, verse 7, Proverbs 29, verse 17, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 14, Deuteronomy 5, verse 16.